Greetings, this is Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist at Diamond Hill Capital Management, and this is Understanding Edge. This podcast is the first in a series that is focusing specifically on autonomous vehicles and advances in the industry that are bringing us closer to a world we've only seen in movies like iRobot and Minority Report. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by Brian Bath to talk about General Motors, as well as the overall evolving industry in general. Brian's a research analyst at Diamond Hill covering energy, materials, industrials, and utilities, and like myself, is a graduate of Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. In future episodes of this series, we'll be talking with analyst Chris Peel to discuss BlackBerry's efforts, and analyst Varun Gupta to discuss Google's initiatives in this space as well. As we continue to work through these unprecedented times, I ask for your understanding for any sound issues that may arise. As always, stay safe and stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy this new effort to bring you a series of podcasts focusing on an emerging industry. Brian, thanks for joining the podcast and being willing to educate me on autonomous driving. Uh, let's jump right into the conversation. I'll begin by telling you that I've always been hesitant about autonomous driving. I believe that, you know, unless all of the cars are operating on the same system, knowing what each car is going to be doing, uh, it's just not something that's going to work. But I think I'm in the minority. Um, so let me ask you, as someone that's been looking at this, uh, this technology for a while, you know, where do you think we're headed? You know, is it a society that is driven around by our cars autonomously uh, or some kind of hybrid mix of human and computer interaction? Yeah, I think we'll, for a very long time, it'll, it'll be a mix, a hybrid. Um, and, and really the biggest hurdle is that um, consumer acceptance, that it will be safe, that, it, you know, that, like you said, that not every car, if it, not every car is on autonomy, then it won't work. But um no, I, I do think there will be some mix just because it's it's a very difficult problem to solve. And um, we're, to have true level five autonomy, which means the car can work in any situation without any human intervention, um, we're, we're very far away from that. Um, and so I, I think it'll be a long time before we see it, but there are various steps along the way that will have some, um, some mix in between there, um, here and there. So what are the, you mentioned level five, and that's something I hadn't heard before. Is that, are there, there's obviously levels one through five, and what are the differences uh, in those levels? The general acceptance is kind of level zero through five. Um, if you look at level zero, we're, that's the kind of um, you know, automatic emergency braking, uh, blind spot detection, uh, the lane departure warning. So if you're about to drift out, the lights flash. That's level zero it's been around for a while um level level one we start to get into adaptive adaptive cruise control or lane lane keep assist um level two would be lane keep assist and adaptive cruise control so those are that's kind of what we're starting to see enter the market today Um, that's the the tesla autopilot the you know gm super cruise Uh, volvo has a pilot assist there a lot of these oems are now launching these these products uh, on their vehicles that uh, take a lot of the stress off the driver for for the highway driving portion of of the trip. Um, And that's really where we are now. Um, When you get into level three, that's when the driver doesn't have to pay attention anymore. Um, And that's kind of 
a big step, but also a dangerous one because as we've seen with level two, there's a lot of accidents because uh, many of the drivers are putting too much faith in the system and not treating it as they're supposed to, um, where they're supposed to be in total control and able to take over at any moment. Um, some automakers have added uh, detection systems inside the vehicle to, to determine if the driver's paying attention or not. Um, if they're not, the system shuts off and you, know, you have to take back over. Um, others haven't gone that route and they've had more accidents because of, accidents because of it. Um, past level three, that you get into level four, that's where we have robo-taxis. Um, more in a geofenced area, so a distinct, uh, previously mapped out grid that the vehicle can only operate in that area and maybe has designated pickup and drop-off zones. Um, it might not, those taxis might not run in the snow or rain, it, you know, kind of thinking about like um, uh, flight conditions for an airline, that there are just some times where it's not going to fly. Um, and that's what level four is, that most cases, the vehicle drives by itself, no human intervention, but it can't handle all scenarios. And that's where level five comes in, where no intervention, the vehicle can do anything and everything that we need it to. Um, and so there, there's a long way to go from where we are today to that level five point where um, no one has to drive anymore. So it's that's why I say it's more of a hybrid mix, at least for the foreseeable future, because it's just it's very complex and, and there's a lot of steps to go. So can you have level five, but not every car being level five? Again, I, I get back to that, the idea that I've always had that, you know, a, a level five car can drive, but it can't anticipate what another car is going to be doing. But if they're all on the same system, then there's some AI that's moving all the cars around and making sure there are no accidents. The idea would be that the, the sensor suite on a level five vehicle would have a reaction time at least at, most likely better than what a humans would be so if you have a reckless driver on the road that the, uh, the automated vehicle would be able to detect that the ai would kind of predict various outcomes or paths that that reckless driver is taking and would hopefully make the correct decision and react appropriately um there will still likely be accidents, um, <clears throat> but if they are far fewer than what we have today, it's still a, a step in the right direction. You know, and, and I still think it would be kind of rolled out slowly that it would, you know, we would, it would probably operate within city limits again, going back to that geofenced idea, even once there's level five, that it would just gradually expand until everyone felt comfortable with it and that they knew for sure that okay, this does in fact reduce accident rates and mortality rates uh, on the roads, which is, I think is the, is the real goal. Um, so it, there are options and, and to, for having the cars communicate, um, that's just takes a lot of turnover <laughs> in the fleet. Um, and that's, unless you have kind of a, um, basically an outlawing of internal combustion engines or self or, or manually driven vehicles, they're they're always going to be on the road, even if electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles are um, better at that point or or more trusted at that point. So it it it's never going to go away, but the the redundancy and the safety features involved in these vehicles are going to be designed to to account for that. 
So we're talking about, you know, the, the average citizen and level five cars or zero through five. What about the rest of the transportation system? So is there a future with autonomous semi-trucks on the freeway, you know, something with buses that are more within the city? Yeah, I mean, I think buses make a lot of sense, um, particularly in the city. And maybe you can, with autonomy, you can have uh, more smaller buses and that they run more efficient routes and therefore you have more use of the bus. You know, that ridership in, in city buses isn't necessarily high, but maybe if you make it more efficient and more attractive through the auton an autonomous bus, that would be uh, a more favorable option. The semi-truck side of thing, that, that could take a little while just from a safety standpoint, but I think certainly level three is going to be close where you, you still have the truck driver there for in control for the majority of the drive. But for once they get on the interstate to the time they have to exit, that truck is driving itself. And it, it makes a lot of sense for them as well, uh, given the driver um, restrictions that uh, basically only operate, can only operate for a certain number of hours at a time. This would allow that truck to kind of maximize um, their delivery schedule uh, by staying on the road, allowing the driver to rest while the computer drives, and then they can take back over um, instead of having these eight-hour breaks after a certain number of hours on the road. It sounds almost like when a when a pilot takes off, and then once they're in the air, they put it on autopilot. They're still sitting there, but you know the plane's doing a lot of the flying. Very interesting. Yeah, that yeah that would be a good a good very good analogy. So let's get let's get specific on a company. Um, that you know well, and their efforts to expand their autonomous driving. General Motors acquired Cruise Automation in 2018 in order to ramp up their research towards autonomous driving. So what was some of the rationale in bringing Cruise on board? And what are the goals of General Motors in this space, whether there's like a, a date out in the future that they're thinking about or, or a certain percentage of their cars? Yeah, so I think the rationale originally was... Uh, Hey, this is a really hard problem. Let's instead of throwing money at it, let's get people involved who have spent a lot of time and know seem to know what they're doing. Let's bring them in, let them develop it, um, and see what they can do with the amount of capital we have available um, to back them. Uh, I think that, you know so that was kind of the basis, and that and then from that, that, I think they realized that they could bring what they're learning from crews into the vehicles they're producing just for. Um, regular driving today. Uh, I mentioned Super Cruise earlier. That's one of those level two systems um, that has a driver monitoring system. Again, it, it's a camera, looks at the driver, keep, make sure their eyes are on the road, their heads up at, at attention. And that, you know, if they're not, a, a redundancy takes over, tells you to take over. If, it, if you don't, the car pulls to the side. So I, they're using Cruise's goals of the full autonomy to help make their current products much better in the process and add features that consumers are starting to kind of ask for. And, and I do think that pretty soon we're going to see level two uh, be standard on most vehicles simply because consumers are going to want it. Um, they're going to, if they, if you don't, they're going to go somewhere else. Um, so I, I think that's kind of been the main process right now uh, down the line that, you know, they're looking at it. I think from multiple ways where, okay, maybe it's level two, level three in uh, the, the Chevy's GMC, Buick and Cadillac vehicles. Uh, we have crews that's fully automated, built on 
uh, GM's EV platform that rolls out as a robo taxi in select cities and eventually broadly. Um, and then maybe further down the line, you start to see personal vehicles that are fully autonomous, uh, maybe under the Cadillac brand, because it would probably be a, a, a pricey vehicle for an individual to own. Um, but uh, yeah, I think they're looking at it fr from those three different ways that what can we do today with the uh, automation that we've learned and systems that we've developed at Cruise? What's you know step two? And then further down the line, what, what can we benefit from? And they've uh, really kind of based that off of their I don't, know, I don't want to call it a slogan, but they've talked about zero emissions, zero fatalities, zero traffic. That's kind of their focus as a whole, um, that they want to work towards that. Um, now, as far as kind of timeline, uh, you could argue that Cruise is already behind what their original timeline was. Um, and I think they've learned from that and are no longer setting a final date of we will have robo taxis at this point in time, but just Kind of updating the public on where they're at and that they, they are one of i think currently the only company testing um, autonomous vehicles without a safety driver on the roads in california their cruise tests in san francisco and just towards the end of 2020 they took out the safety driver um, and so there's not a person behind the behind the car on the streets of san francisco as they test uh, they've made a lot of progress wow that's uh that's pretty amazing. Um, Someone can still take over and shut down the vehicle if they need to. It's not just going on, but there there isn't a human directly. But similar to what Waymo is doing in Phoenix, that there isn't a person ready to grab the steering wheel if something goes wrong. So you're talking about a lot of leading edge kind of technology. So who is kind of the the leading edge? Uh, from a technology standpoint and, you know, what companies are in the leadership position in that move to, to, uh, to expand autonomous driving? You've talked about GM, but what other companies are, are kind of moving to the forefront in establishing autonomous driving? Yeah, so based on the data we have available and some of the conversations I've had with people in the industry, uh, the, the same kind of eh, three or four names keep coming up. Um, it's Google's Waymo, um, GM with Cruise, uh, Argo AI, um, which is owned by Ford, um, and then Zooks, which was recently bought by Amazon. Um, those four companies seem to come up the most in conversation about um, their, where they where they stand. And it, you can some of the data I refer to is um, disengagement data, so the number of miles each vehicle drives before a person has to take over. Um, Waymo and uh, crews seem to be kind of farther, further ahead of, than the other two at this, at this point, but there's also haziness around how these companies are reporting the data, how they report it, can they, if they take over in one scenario, can they actually discount that and remove it from the data? There's still, so it's not highly uh, transparent at this point, but that's why I mentioned also conversations. Um, within the industry that just seem to point to those companies. That's at the top level. There, there are others involved as well. Um, and then you can, you know, outside of kind of the OEMs, you can look to suppliers as well at, at the same time. Um, there's going to be a lot of technology going into this. So any companies that are kind of connecting all these sensors, bringing the, you know, having the software to connect it together and make the vehicle run efficiently, um, they're going to benefit uh, from it greatly. And same goes for anyone that has 
um, kind of that supplies parts that make the EV run more efficiently, uh, that the, the systems that are going to be needed for these autonomous vehicles are going to be a very large drain on the batteries for um, the electric vehicle, which most autonomous will likely be electric. And so if you have suppliers that can improve that efficiency and get more range for the, for the OEMs and their electric vehicle, that's going to you know, go a long way and those suppliers should benefit uh, a great deal. Fascinating stuff. Uh, a lot to look forward to in the future. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, my kids are learning to drive, but it, maybe their kids won't even need to drive. They'll just sit in a car. So Brian Bath, analyst, Diamond Hill, I want to thank you for joining me. Hopefully we can have you back on here real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by Diamond Hill Capital Management. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. These opinions are not intended to be a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or investment advice. Reliance upon this information is at the sole discretion of the listener. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal.